Welcome to episode five of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. Along with Will Vitka, I'm your co-host Noah Frank, and each week we and a guest revisit a piece of middle-brow American cinema that we haven't watched in a while to see how it holds up in present day. This week, our guest Dan Weber has brought us the 1999 Roman Polanski product, The Ninth Gate, featuring a bespectacled Johnny Depp, a wildly over-the-top Frank Langella, and a femme fatale, at least to herself, Lena Olin, in a satanic literary um, thriller. Uh, Since Dan brought us this film, and since he and I go back a ways, I'm just going to direct the opening question to him. Dan, what the hell was that? (laughs) it's a masterpiece of middle brow american cinema the kind of movie that does not get made anymore i think i think it like made it like production budget was like 35 million or something like that and it like didn't make it back in the united states but it turned like a tidy 60 million or whatever in uh in overseas profits and everybody was just like cool another roman polanski in the books dan i gotta stop you because this is not american yeah, it's not even remotely American. Yes, I, I I agree with all of that. That's true. But in my experience, my my I think I like this movie because I saw this at at uh, prime Johnny Depp. Uh, like it was it was I think it hit in like early two thousand in the United States. I think I saw this in theaters. Um, it was uh, it had a, I have a soft spot for it, <laughs> and rewatching it made me like, yeah, I think I like this movie. So okay, we'll we'll get into exactly why. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it was a domestic flop. Uh, made its money back internationally. Um, I, I, so yeah, I guess right off the top, why did you think that you liked this movie? I mean, that that is the conceit of the podcast. Why did you bring this movie to us? What what were the why memories? Dan? Why why did you why did you inflict <laughs> well, this upon us? And, you, and you said you said you saw it in the theater. Do you, do you like? Do you remember what theater? Do you remember? Were you having like a particularly good box of milk duds that day, or like was there some reason why you have fond memories attached to this? I am I am one hundred percent sure that I saw this in. It had to have been a theater, you know, probably in like the southwestern suburbs of uh, like the Dinah suburbs of of Minneapolis, and I saw it with. Um, the woman who was like my family's like like the second mom to my family. She was my preschool teacher. Her son was my age. We were friends growing up. Uh, Barbie Weinberg, shout out. Um, and she's just always loved, you know, atmospheric, moody thrillers or whatever. She also has like a soft spot for you know Woody Allen and sort of that era of directors. So this was pre pre cancellation of Roman Polanski. So like <laughs> so this has a hard. rape connection. <laughs> yeah, there there there's a little bit. Of that. <laughs> Like it's not pre-allegations, like those had been out for years, but like everybody still was like, well, art and artist, art and artist. I have to, I have to stop you. It was just the two of you? No, 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 no. I think, okay. I think my sister saw it. I think, I think my mom was there. I think we all went because like it was, it's 19, you know, early 2000s Johnny Depp, you know, it was like. Uh, 1999, yeah, yeah. When did Chocolat come out? Like it was, it was right. It was, I think just pre-Pirates, like, um. And, and you know Frank Langella, he's just he's money in the bank. How is that? How is this going to be anything but a tense psychological thrill? You know, you know, as a sixteen-year-old at the time, uh, me and all my friends were lining up for the next Frank Langella film. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. That's like I, I wouldn't have seen this on my own, but but I think that like um, you know family friends being who's you know Barbie's the 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 biggest movie person in like my my growing up phase and so like i had positive associations with this movie except for like you know i do remember parts of this movie where i was like oh that's bad <laughs> like when i was watching it like <laughs> as a kid, the 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 like the cop-out parts at the ending where i was just like uh-huh uh-huh okay all right okay uh should, should, should we talk about do we want to do we want to kind of go blow by blow because i'm sure a lot of people have not seen this film yeah, we'll 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 get into what happens as much as we can actually interpret what actually happened uh, <laughs> in, 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 a, in a minute. I I just want to make sure that you weren't at a, a theater sitting in the dark watching this alone with 
your mom's best friend because that would have added an entire yeah. new layer to everything. That it's, it's, it's called being Polanskied. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, by the way, I went to look up uh, when Chocolate was released, and it it just kept kicking me to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is a really interesting Johnny Depp <laughs> tie there. That is, that is uh, a horrible juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this is really funny, but after. After the end of this movie, which I watched very late at night, uh, I went to look up any like reviews of it, and I found the Roger Ebert review. And this is hilarious because I'd written the intro line for the podcast before I saw this. Um, but this is a, a literal quote from it. He talks about how, oh, it sort of starts strong and this and that. Uh, but then he says, quote, after the last scene, I underlined on my notepad, what? <laughs> which is pretty much yeah, exactly, no, he... exactly how, how i felt after the last scene uh ironically he he talked about how uh great the opening title sequence was which the, the opening title sequence looks like a microsoft screensaver from about that era it looks terrible and also the title doesn't come until after all of the credits I well, totally it's very strange you guys about, about the opening credits. I thought the opening credits were stylish down to the font choices. I thought I thought it was really I thought that was very good. But my wife who watched it, we watched it together. She had never seen it. She had the same reaction to the very end where it was like, what? What happened? What? So what actually happened? And like right down to the fade to white, it's, it's sort of, you know, a creature of its time. Yeah. Um... Well, and obviously they go through nine gates uh, in the opening title sequence. Uh, the film starts dark right off the very top with uh, opening on a suicide note and a man hanging himself. Uh, so yes. we get right into <laughs> it. There's really no. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I mean, from to, like to my mind, like the cinematography was like it was just so intentional. Like there's a lot of sort of from like the eye perspective, like slow moving shots that like I get, I get the sort of auteurness of it all, but like, like it, I don't know. It just, it felt it, it, like, it's like something that you just don't see right now. Like, like, like anymore the, the way that the camera sort of lingered around and slowly revealed stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's extraordinarily well crafted. Um, and it it looks great, um, for sure. But there, so I, I I was so curious about whether or not the whole movie was a practical joke that I went and looked up uh, Roman Polanski interviews after the fact, and he considered it to be a dark comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes all the sense in the world. That that really makes sense. That makes sense to me. I think um, you know it, you don't play it for laughs, but but. Uh, Corso is, is is a coward. I mean, he's 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 like a false staffian, like like evil false chaotic evil false staff, lawful evil false staff. I think uh, he's I think he's like but, chaotic but, neutral. Like he he has personal goals. He wants money, um, but that sort of gets smudged uh, after he demon fucks, <laughs> and then suddenly he wants all the. <laughs> all the stuff right well let's mm -hmm. uh let, I, i'm gonna give dan uh, the chance we 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 don't really do like a full recap but uh as the guest who's brought this movie to us why don't you do your best uh quick recap basically just start to finish you know three to five sentences how how, how would you describe this movie to someone uh you know you're, you're trying to get them to watch it uh yeah, plot recap basics and then we can get into all the particulars yeah, I, I, I do want to say it does, there are moments where it's like clearly, like there's this this moment where Depp walks up to like a gate when he's walking into like one of these gorgeous old decaying mansions and like his face is perfectly framed in kind of the filigree of the gate and it's like, that's very directory. Um, but but the, the sort of like, if I had to, the elevator pitch for this movie is, um, uh, Johnny Depp, plays a uh, book expert slash collector slash con man uh, who is contracted by a guy to investigate the veracity of a book purported to be able to summon the devil. Um, and, uh, you know, put Frank Langella in quotes or in parentheses as the guy who um, sends him on his mission. Um, and then, you know, 
you don't even have to write the second sentence, but of course he gets in over his head and it kind of goes from there. Right. He, he gets in over his head. He, it becomes an obsession. Lots of people die. He bangs the devil in human form. The end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's your, yeah. Th those are, those are the worst parts of it. Along the way, you get a couple uh, like clever murders. It made me want to read the book. So it's, it's based on a book, I guess that one, like, yeah, the club do must. Yeah, it won a bunch of like mystery of the year awards and fun stuff. And it, I think, I think the the movie actually does a good job of capturing the like this is adapted from a book kind of feel. Like it's intentionally in these these decaying places, these these like old dying things. Uh, the old ways still obtain, you know, on the continents. He goes to Portugal and France to track these things down. Um, there's uh, like. It, it sort of has there, there's echoes with like red dragon uh, which is a yeah yeah tense movie there's there's a uh, a murder uh in the i guess third act of the film of 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 ninth gate that reminds me a lot of the way that philip seymour hoffman kind of goes down in uh in red dragon um there, there isn't the interrogation scene that goes on with ray fines but uh yeah it's 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 johnny depp trying to uh, be smarter than he is and I think he's good at those roles. <laughs> it's it's really a wonderful premise. Like it's a great premise. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the rest of the movie happens. Yeah, uh, to to me, one of the things that like my, I give gotta give my wife credit for this. She was like, it's very bright, it, and it all is like the night it scenes. Is. It's, okay, it's, you gotta... it's it's well filmed, well well choreographed. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I I I, I agree. Um, but I think that that's it maybe looks different if it's made today when they have you know cameras that don't need that kind of lighting and catch maybe more of like the torch lights that are going on when you get to the eyes wide shut orgy fuck fest in, in, in act three well they did what? they did do a really good job of like faking new york until i saw the um the phone booth <laughs> so i was like no this is not new york it's definitely not new yeah. york well mm -hmm. and fun fact on that the new york city scenes were actually shot in paris Ah, boo. because Roman Polanski was still wanted for allegedly drugging and raping a 13 year old girl and was not allowed in the United States so if well, New York doesn't look like New York that is why yeah he's mm -hmm. he was convicted um, but he fled right but so so all of the American based scenes were actually shot in the other thing Amy you mentioned sort of the styling and the lighting I we see you know in that those sort of early scenes with Frank Langella where He's teaching in the classroom, and then we see his sort of weird vault and everything and that has some automated automated things and electronic things. But other than that, like it the film really felt like it was taking place in an earlier time. Like like just the styles and the even like the cars on the street, like even like the cab he's in, the cab doesn't feel like a yeah. two thousand cab. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. like everything mm -hmm. feels like it's happening like a couple decades earlier. Um, in, a, in a strange way to, to me. I just sort of noticed that throughout the, the film that it, it felt like it was not contemporary. So, so yeah, one of the things that I, uh, in the process of looking this stuff up, uh, apparently Depp's outfit, because I originally thought, because <clears throat> we're, we're always on the lookout for stuff that looks dated, and uh, Johnny Depp's clothing is, is super boxy and kind of like long and unkempt. And apparently that was deliberate, and it was meant to illustrate the haphazard nature, I guess, of his work. Well, so one of the things you know, that we we talk about a lot is sort of like what places this in this era, like what what what, what things make it very obvious that this that this movie is from you know when it came out. Um, and to me, there was a, there were a lot of things, <laughs> things there. there. Yeah, I mean there. There were a lot of things that, that were very obvious. We talked about the phone booth and like the fact that he's always reliant on phone calls. Like he's like constantly having to pick up a landline to try to, you know, get a hold of his of his uh, his ostensible boss to he, find he out what he's the, supposed to do. He tells the concierge to fax his boss something. <laughs> after after the concierge has tracked down where uh, the like you know not big bad guy boss is in Paris and like has figured this out, like could you know in theory make a call to a friend, discreet call to a friend or whatever. No, 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 fax it. And like he, he scribbles it down and he passes the thing across across the, the desk. 
What, what else did you guys notice in terms of uh, uh, other uh, ex- extremely of the time references? He shoves a fucking frozen food uh, package into the microwave without taking it out. In the box. Notice that. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that set uh-huh. things on fire, but I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> that's why you took it out um, of the box. Uh, maybe not in France, because that's where... I, I thought his outfit and, and Frank Langella's outfit uh, in his final... Uh, the, in the mumbo-jumbo. 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 Uh, yes. Uh, they're, those are both very late 90s to me. Uh, they're, they're boxy, they're big, they're sort of LeBron draft class photo big. Um, and, and if Frank Langella isn't wearing like, like uh, body shaping something underneath that, then he is just absolutely yoked for a man of his age. Like the, the, the sort of like largeness, the flowingness of the clothes. And then Depp's, he's wearing the like uh, circular spectacles uh, with the the hook around your ear kind of thing. It's very, uh, I don't know. I, I could see Matthew Perry trying to rock the same kind of look. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I actually thought it was like a Matthew Broderick look. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, Matt Perry, Matt Broderick, because um, it was, like, so nerd. Um, yeah, but the... and, and he's, he's, he's always, throughout the movie, he's, you know, bad at doing physical stuff. He's sort of he gets hit in the head a lot. Like, a lot. A lot. He gets stuck up on a lot. Yeah, he, he gets the drop, you know, pe- people get the drop on him throughout the entire movie. So, he like, Johnny Depp, it, like... Honestly, I can't tell if it's just that he's like a movie star, and so that's the way that I read him in this thing. Or well, that, like he was a bad enough actor for me not to hate this guy. <laughs> but again, I had to sort of wonder if that was like an underlying joke, because <laughs> he, even when he's getting in that super awkward seduction scene, the really unfortunately awkward seduction scene in. Uh, the apartment, like right after he's gotten the book, um, he, you know, he hikes up her skirt, <laughs> and then she's like zooms in on the snake tattoo on her butt. And it's like, okay, we get it, you're evil, and then it's right. just sort of like it, like comically, sort of keeps going from there. Yeah, th- that's another spot that felt like it should like in a book it's going to hit different. They don't they don't talk about like you know the order of the silver serpent or whatever until like and much she, later in the movie. And she also like she goes fucking crazy, really fast, starts <laughs> tearing people's faces off, or going after Johnny Depp's face, and then of course later on she goes after Franklin Jell's face. It's yeah, no, very I, I, silly. When you said the the awkward seduction scene, I didn't know which one you meant. I think all the sex scenes oh. were aggressively not sexy, and I think that's maybe the point. Like, it's not supposed to it be is, fun. It is. It is. It is. Even for Johnny Depp, right? But like, yeah, <laughs> she was a character who I, I wish she had gotten a spinoff or whatever. She 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 could have been. We could have spent more time with her before. Well, she yeah, because she disappears for the whole like middle. Third? Time. She's like gone. She rubs Johnny Dick, uh, Depp's Johnny Dick, Johnny Depp's dick for a little bit, and then like has a glass of of bourbon, I guess, and then like they fuck, and there's her butt, and then she goes fucking crazy. Okay, where is it? Where's what? Don't fuck with me. I thought I already did. Ow! Ah! Ow! But she sends her henchmen after him. So it's not that, that she completely drops out of the thing. We just have this mute. Uh, and th- maybe that's another thing that places it in the time. The henchman is. Yeah, the, uh, the not albino white haired guy. Right. He's, he's, he's uh, like definitely not taking cues from either The Matrix or, you know, Wesley Snipes as Blade. Uh, but, but he's a black guy in a black leather jacket with um, like dyed platinum blonde hair. Like the least conspicuous henchman that you could find in Paris, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that made it feel 10 years older. You know what I mean? Just in terms of like time period. Like it, it that, that didn't feel like 2000. I felt like 1990. Like yeah, we, it was, this, it was bad. this podcast on Demolition Man, that, that easily could have been Simon Phoenix. Nice. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, right. Like, like it's, it was, that character was bizarre. And every fight scene he was in was bizarre. Uh, but but before we get too much into the other stuff, I, I anything else really stand out from like from that time period? I, 
that, that you guys have. Uh, yeah, I, like Dan said, the, the faxing is horrible and hilarious. Uh, photocopying is horrible and hilarious. I noticed his his book buddy, the one who gets murdered, uh, <laughs> for him stashing the book there. Bernie. Uh, You're talking about Bernie. Yeah. yeah. Wait, he, he said like something about with, with Johnny Depp that his whole like early on thing about selling where he like went into appraise books like that one of the opening scenes like he said the, the quote was he said you queered his pitch i i mm-hmm. I, I picked mm. that up and i was like mm, okay that's i suppose in some ways that could still fly today but like not not probably in the way that they were you know yeah no you're right about that i think going for it Johnny Depp makes smoking look so cool, and you—they smoke everywhere. And there's a moment in the entire so, movie where, where somebody's like, "You can't smoke inside." Yeah, that's very. That's yeah, very I, I, of I, that era for sure, and very European. It's very European, and actually, I have an interest in uh, pointing out a huge flaw, which is that Johnny Depp, when he goes to see the uh, Italian twins, changes his cigarette very briefly. He suddenly has a Lucky Strike filtered. Whereas throughout the rest of the film, it's just a regular ass lucky strike. into all of those in a second i just want to also point out that his entire like hustle the whole conceit of like i am this weird book detective dude who, like, <laughs> like that like that, that that is his life and that there are people who care enough it feels just extremely <clears throat> pre 9-11 to me like like that anyone yeah, care yeah enough about yeah, this shit yeah. like in new york city that, that this is the primary concern not new york. of people like like even just like five years later people are like what the hell is this nobody <laughs> nobody has time for this like, <laughs> um, you're right and, and like around 2001 uh, uh the same there, there was a book that came out called the shadow of the wind by carlos ruiz zafon uh, and I read it and I, I liked it. It was a great book. Um, but it's it's about this same, like, a, like let's poke around in old libraries and set in Barcelona. So, like, there was something at the time where everybody was just like, old books and old Europe. This this could work. We were bored and had too much money and time on our hands. <laughs> Doesn't that define the late 90s, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, Enron and baseball stick <laughs> Like, people are hitting too many dingers. That's the problem we got to solve. Yeah, the tech bubble, like everything, right? It's just, just sure, more, 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 more until it all kind of came crashing down. So, yeah, good times. Uh, all right, Will, you mentioned one uh, sort of plot hole continuity error. Um, anything else uh, stand out for you guys? Any, anything really, really blatant uh, that, that uh, snuck through to the final cut? Oh, jeez. Uh, there's kind of a lot. I I don't want to I don't want to bore everybody with it. But. <laughs> well, Dan, what, what did you you notice anything this time around? Maybe you missed the first time. I mean, I wasn't hunting for for continuity misses this time around, but I'm sure they're there. Uh, so like, I I was looking more like in the beginning, like the first half of the movie, I couldn't get over like how Polanski kept putting himself in the shot. These were like clearly like look at the shot I'm making kind of shots. And then, like, in the second half of the movie, like, I think he expects the pace just to, like, you know, take over and have a momentum of its own. And, like, it kind of doesn't. Like, well, that's, yeah, movies. I mean, that's the big problem is it's so, it, you feel every minute of this. Yeah, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's not quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's, just, it's like 130 minutes or so. I mean, it's a little over two hours, but, but yeah. It's, it's two hours and 13 minutes. Yeah. And you feel every single fucking second of this movie. And then it just ends incredibly abruptly. After <laughs> it's just like, all right, Johnny Depp is the devil now, I guess, or something. I, I uh, like, tried to, tried to, like, be as charitable as I could to, like, how, 
like they meant to do it. I tried to Game of Thrones it a little bit, like, well, what they what they meant to do was, and and, and clearly this was intended to be like, and it still doesn't quite get there. Like he 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 fades to white at the end of it. He completely cops out on like, okay, well, what does that mean? What does it mean that Johnny Depp has right, now right, right, right. had sex with the devil in front well, of a burning castle? Yeah, and that's that's a huge, uh, no pun intended, burning question. He screws that lady or that demon thing. We don't know that that's the devil. We suspect it's the devil. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never said outright, but we see her literally float down a staircase in the middle of that fight scene on the set. The like, worst fight scene ever committed right. to film. Like, nothing made any sense there. Like, it looked like a fight scene from Tenet where they're going backwards. Like, 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 the, like, the, like just, like, didn't, felt completely unnatural. And, like, anyway, but the it's... Right. I mean, like, she's very clearly supernatural. She, like, appears and disappears at random. Uh, she, she shows up to, like, save him and keep him on track when he needs to be, but basically otherwise doesn't exist. And then, right, they bang it yeah, out. She's also and in then, the book. Yeah. She, she's in the engravings, and, and the, the two twins are, are the – they're in the engravings, too. Right. Right. But, I mean, it seems pretty clear that she is – if not like the devil, like a <clears throat> devil, a demon, uh, some yeah. something summoned by dark forces. Um, so why is she attracted to Johnny Depp? And that's that's another thing that I think makes it a great '90s movie. So I, I feel like she's like we're meant to believe that like the devil sees. I'm sorry. Think... This is this is in your positive category. <laughs> this this isn't my positive category. <laughs> we're meant to see that that uh, the devil um, and. Boris Balkin, Frank Langella's character, uh, both see a weak, uh, overconfident dude in Johnny Depp who they can manipulate. But as Johnny Depp becomes obsessed with and consumed with and in love with the devil, the devil kind of falls in love with Johnny Depp and finds Johnny Depp fuckable, which is an important part of a Johnny Depp movie at this point in time. As as the one who brought this to us, and Will Will saw this movie too, uh, way back in the day. So I, I'm the one who's new to it and and don't have a reference point for this. But uh, Dan, starting with you, what which which character watching this again on, on a repeat, like like improved the most that you were like maybe didn't remember from before, and which one uh, maybe didn't hold up as much over time? I think the twins improved more than than I thought. Um, there just aren't that many characters in this movie and they're all like very old. Um, so like, you know, the, the devil lady got worse. I mean, she, she got worse in my estimation. Johnny Depp, I thought did a just fine job, solid B plus a minus performance. Good job, buddy. But the, the charming two, um, like somehow devil, you know, linked or related, uh, old Portuguese library brothers. They they were interesting to me. What about you all? Uh, everybody is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> everybody everybody is actually like legitimately terrible. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like they wasted Lita Olin a little bit. Like they I feel did. like mm-hmm. yeah I feel like that, that could that character could have been more fleshed out for sure. Yeah, it was it was again it was really weird because she has she seems like she had like this hair trigger where. Polanski didn't know what to do with her and just said like okay now you go crazy and then she did and that was it uh there should have been a lot more there especially because the ultimately the book is from her dead suicidal husband well right like never explained that right she could have murdered him and that that would would have made the whole thing more interesting right like like as part of some i don't know ritual to try to summon the devil or i don't know like like if there was some connection there right like he seems like he's important and then he's not at all and it's just like was this just a total red herring to like oh actually it was her book and she like yeah it's, it's it's very strange bad writing bad directing so she she does insist that it is her book and it was never his to give away, um, and and they uh, right of which she gets she gets on. like forty five seconds of screen time to do that. Right, right. So so she she says early on that like he bought it on on um, eBay on their honeymoon or whatever, and Sorry. then it's quickly revealed that she's lying about that. She pushed for it on the honeymoon. What was never made clear to me was why did he commit suicide? Right. Like, 
I, I, did Boris Balkan get to him? It's not. <sighs> yeah, there, there are a ton of cut for time. It's a bad decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like yep, that yep. is the is the, your opening shot. Is the opening shot of the movie is this man commits suicide? Like that can't be like a totally unimportant aside. Right, like, and 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 there. he's and he's writing a note. He's writing right. a note. Yes. What the fuck Unlike was in that other... note? Yeah. Yeah, it almost feels like there was a rewrite somewhere in the middle, and they just, like, mm -hmm. missed. It's like, oh, we don't need this dead guy's note. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, what, the, what the fuck happened to that? Yeah. Definitely a, a sort of un, uh, you know, unresolved storyline that felt like, like there were there were chances there to make that into something. Um, but I don't know. All right, I'm going to get this out of the way uh, just because this is my my self-indulgence. Uh, I, I, I searched through on Gaucho Watch. I could I could not find any direct connections between uh, my alma mater, the University of California, Santa Barbara, and this film. However, Frank Langella was also in Draft Day, which I just wanted to remind you existed and was directed by Ivan Reitman, <laughs> head of the Montecito Picture Company based in Santa Barbara, which employs students from UCSB as interns. Um, so... One of the things we like to do, which uh, should be particularly interesting in this film, uh, is to to look at what has happened to each of the characters and the world in the intervening years. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully they're all fucking dead. Hopefully they're all fucking dead. <laughs> well, Johnny Depp might be fucking dead. Uh, I, I don't. I don't exactly. I, I mean, is 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 Johnny Depp in a monogamous relationship with the devil at this point? Like, what's so in the in the universe? <laughs> My understanding is that Johnny Depp, who we don't see having any connections to any other human beings outside of the plot of this thing, uh, I, I, he went to hell, I guess, and is now, you know. But, 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 but that's the problem is like, was it hell? It was a white right. light. Right. It's, it's, so... it's a complete and total cop out. I'd love to see, like, so I, my understanding is that the book does it better, which, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what I really want. I want kind of an answer. I want Johnny Depp to clean his forehead after getting blood splashed on his forehead from the angel slash demon lady. Those those scenes and like where he shows up next, like I think the next scene after that is he goes. He's in the hotel lobby with like you know one of his glasses is cracked and he's got like blood smeared on his head and he's like, "My good sir, can you please send a fax for me?" And like. <laughs> When you say like Polanski thought that it was a dark comedy, that totally scans for me. Like I, I, I get what he's going for. It's, it's a very fucking French sensibility. It's, yeah, like, it's, it's really <laughs> it's a dark it's, comedy. It, 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 it helps just like, of course, sir. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. You, yes. You're clearly a, a a respected guest of this hotel. You just look like you, you know. Like stumbled out of a bar fight. Like, yeah. and, and they they play that I think too. So like when when. He's like, uh, your your wife is the only person who's been the the, the like, you know, second in command concierge behind the desk is like, your wife is the only one who's been in your room today, and he's like, I don't have a wife, and the guy just like straight to his face is just like, oh, I have to take this call, sir. Like, so like unreliable narrator, like that actually all that stuff works for me, I guess. But then like, <sighs> he I think he just couldn't decide what to do with the ending. Like, it's a fade to white. Yeah. Well. Well, you. <laughs> You you mentioned something mm. to me but, but before we started about about who you would like to see in the Johnny Depp role. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, yep, I, I, yep. I, and, and and I'm sure it's informed by what you were watching earlier today, which is the character <laughs> that version of him is the one that I want to see. I was just thinking about that hotel desk scene, but I'll let you pick it up from here. Okay, so this movie would actually be a winner if it was Richard Lewis as Johnny Depp. <laughs> but, but, but Richard Lewis from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Specifically. So, 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 so he's like, so he's like, my wife. What? <laughs> I don't have a wife. What wife? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think that that would have would have made it much more easily, like a like in the Jerry Lewis kind of vein of of French comedies, and like it could have been that. But I think I think Roman Polanski really wanted to make you know a Johnny Depp film. And like, Sorry, we, we, didn't, we didn't we didn't we didn't say Jerry Lewis. We said Richard Lewis. I'm, I'm, right, 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 right. But like, like <laughs> you know, why? Like the the guy running around, and be like, oh, where's my like that sort of thing in France? Just to me, like, I'm, I'm getting my head around, like, okay, well, you said it's a dark comedy. What what's what's very funny to you in certain ways about about this? It's, but it's it not a manners comedy. Like, sorry, go ahead. Hmm. See, I I almost feel like this is like this is like an inverse uh, of. Did you ever see the movie Congo? 
Ooh, that's so, a rough one. Yeah. So Congo, Congo is like a very serious movie in which the, in which, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the actor's name. Ernie um, Hudson? No, 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 no. Tim Curry? Uh, Tim Curry, like, is, Tim Curry thinks it's comedy. Tim Curry is like playing it like, like with a big wink, basically, knowing how bad the movie is. <laughs> and this is like, this is like the inverse of that, where it's like, it's like Roman Polanski thinks it's a comedy. And like Johnny Depp is taking it seriously, and like, like yeah. setting him in, yeah. in all these like yeah. ridiculous settings, but he's like, no, no, this is a serious movie. I'm playing this seriously. So it's like it's like the flip role of like of like him. He's the only one who doesn't understand that it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. that's and, that's and, probably the smartest thing that's ever been said about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the soundtrack actually is bipolar. The soundtrack makes no sense. It is at times like whimsical. Like every time Johnny Depp is walking out of an area, it's like boop a doop a doop and then it goes like crazy pants. Like is it scored by by one person? I have not checked. But, so uh, Wikipedia says yes, it's um a Polish uh, guy who worked with Polanski previously on Death and the Maiden. Uh, the film's main theme is loosely based upon Havanese for violin and orchestra by, by Camille Sansen. Uh, some of the scores of vocalization, uh, Korean soprano Sumi Joe. The vocalization didn't work for me. The vocalization was was the the most melodramatic portion of of the uh, the soundtrack. But I, I think it's one dude. Yeah, I mean it had continuity like broadly like like it was it didn't sound like like a bunch of you know like in in a lot of <laughs> uh films of the late 90s and early 2000s it wasn't just like a bunch of pop songs that were picked and smashed together it was very clearly like a, a thematically yeah it's 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 really nice that it was thematically bipolar i guess yeah i, I just i don't that sounded like, like a joke i wasn't trying to make a joke <laughs> no i mean i mean like like very... I, it, it didn't leave much of an impact on me. I don't. Did, did you guys really like notice it, like particular scenes? I I like really a... noticed the weird whimsical stuff. I really noticed the uh, the, uh, the the part at the end uh, where Johnny Depp somehow <laughs> they they break up. Ray Langella rolls into the the giant orgy sex party <laughs> at uh, the French the French manse. Um, just everybody runs away from him, uh, and everybody gets in their cars except one person who has left their beautiful old Mercedes or whatever. And Johnny Depp just gets in and goes, and he's like chases down. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just... it's a fjord. Was, I mean, it's was a that solid? Sorry, was that? Was that supposed to be her car, like Lena Olin's car? Like, like I felt like there was something missing there. Like, like why? Right? Why would there? Was... Yeah, because it wasn't a sex party. Because we didn't see her like come in in that car. You, but, uh, yeah, it just felt like like oh that could have again. It's one of those like you just didn't create the establishing scene where like it was yeah it was it was surprising. literally just a bunch of dudes mix of crazy satanists and then. <laughs> I forgot I had to raise this note. Um, Frank Lancella walks up onto the stage, and then there is a very convenient wire that pulls down the podium that um, mm-hmm. the lady's speaking from. And then he just strangles her. He just straight up strangles her. And then says, wow. And then everybody leaves. And it, him saying boo again, that, that completely reads as like dark comedy or whatever. I, I get where you're going with that. But like when Johnny Depp is trying to chase him down in that car, Polanski, like it feels like he's like, I got this producer and it's fucking golden and I'm not giving it away or this, this composer and I'm not giving it away for free. Like he's, he's just like letting it play out. We don't need to see Johnny Depp behind the wheel of a car, like squinting and, and moving the steering wheel, but we do. Right. Hey, we, lo- we need to see Johnny Depp in the- waiters. I, I, well, I love that he tries to cross a creek and it just just fails. Yes. <laughs> the car just fucking yeah. stops. <laughs> it's so good. Like, like I guess in the right, like if you're looking at it the right way, like that's that fits the sort of like he just keeps getting like shat on slapstickness of the whole thing of him getting bottles broken over his head and him, you know, like like of course, like his car 
like he's chasing after a, a you know a four by right, four. Right. And of course, his car is just some shitty French car that just like dies into the river. Like instead of instead of being able to like make it through. Yeah, it's, know, it's all of like 12, four inches of water. Twelve horizontal too. feet of water. Like <laughs> it was not like a long crossing. Right, and 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 like everything else, and like that's late in the movie, so they've he's kind of hammering it home. And again, we don't need to see like the the decision that he makes to have Depp cross out of the river and then look back and start putting on his coat again. Like I don't think we needed that because like we we've, we've demonstrated this character never has a plan B. He always thinks plan A is going to work. It never does, and then he's in the middle of a river and like miles away from you know wherever Frank Lodell is gone. Yeah, again, it's it's like it's a fascinating premise. I really like the premise, but it's just a complete failure. Yeah, it just it just doesn't lead. I mean, and and if if he's like, I mean, to your point, Dan, like if he keeps, you know, going, yeah, well, this will work, and it doesn't. Like, shouldn't that have to be like, like the ending, just on like the grandest scale? Like, oh, well, this will work, and then it doesn't. Not, oh, I guess I'll bang the devil and then go be with her. <laughs> Like, yeah. like it's it's just so strange that like like why doesn't like I don't know it seems like she should kill him or he should accidentally kill himself yeah you know? yeah actually like, that'd be a good ending like like it just it's it's mm-hmm. it's so odd that he's the last man standing at the end of all this or there should be an explanation why he's the last man why he was the one who the devil was like I'm gonna protect you and make sure that you can shepherd me into whatever I want you to summon me that needed to have some kind of an explanation beyond Johnny Depp's cheekbones. And I think the explanation was Johnny Depp's cheekbones. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that kind of brings us to uh, what I always like to ask. We, we talked earlier about how this is very in its, in its time on a lot of levels, including sort of uh, the, the budget and the fact that it got greenlit in the first place. Um, Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, could this movie get made today? Um, I think Roman Polanski is still making movies. And so on that basis, I will say, yes, this movie could still get made today because all of the forces that allowed it to get made in the first place uh, are still with us. Like like a dying Europe, the uh, the collections are smaller than you think and maybe less powerful than, than you'd hope or than the myths might tell you. Uh, but yes, they, this movie could still get made today and still debut at a film festival somewhere and still barely make its money back but probably not in america well no of course not it has to go overseas to do that right well thoughts i think there's an intelligent version of this movie that exists somewhere but uh i will not sign my uh little photos lcf (laughs) for lucifer (laughs) i i mean when you think about it there there were definitely i mean i i have neither read nor watched so i have no actual reference as to what these things contain they just seem similar but like pulpier and, and like more mainstream but like the like the dan brown books right like mm-hmm. aren't they all mysticism shit like, yeah I mean, it's, like... it's it's i i'm i mean i'm catholic and i i practice catholic and uh some of this stuff resonates in a really oblique way uh but not in a way that any of us take seriously. <laughs> so See, yeah, it, it could be it could be done. Uh, it could be done in a much more interesting way because this LCF shit is just like, <laughs> like well, well, right. But but I mean, if you were you know, if this was not Roman Polanski, if we were taking the other bent of like, okay, if someone else picked up the original source material, is is this something? I, that... I think if I think if like someone like Denis, uh, what's his name, Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, yeah, if he if he did like a um, a ninth gate thing and like reworked it entirely because apparently <laughs> Polanski rejiggered most of the novel this, that this was based on so if you, if you give someone like Denis Villeneuve who and I love Blade Runner 2049 uh, give Denis a shot and see if he can make a crazy <laughs> crazy Catholic uh, horror movie sure I mean, does it, just, does it just like take like an A-list director to be able to be like, give me forty million? No, I think it's, it's I think it's an understanding of the subject matter plus the understanding of the audience because this just just came across as like, I'm gonna pretend to be in New York, New York, but I'm not in New York, and I laughed my balls off like 
from moment one. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to tell who this movie was for. Yeah, like, I didn't. I didn't get it. Uh, it was like, just like, uh... like, like I feel like you have to have a target. You have to have a target audience to sell anything these days, right? Like that you can like manifest. You can prove that like you have, and like I just don't. I have no idea who this movie was supposed to be for. Yeah, I think like Dan, I saw it. Uh, I did see it in theaters. I was like, oh, it's a Polanski horror movie. So yay, let's go! And I was just like, this is the first time that I'm angry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't it remember was the marketing. So campaign. bad. My understanding, of the marketing campaign was like I I don't remember seeing ads for it, but I guess it was billed as like a, this will be the scariest movie since Rosemary's Baby. Like it was it was very spooky. Yeah, it was it was very not weird. That movie. Yeah, I mean I I don't remember like any marketing for this. Like I literally when when Dan when you brought it up, I was like I don't know what this is. Like, like I had, I had, no, I had no cultural memory of, of this true. movie even existing, uh, it, which so I mean, like that, like it's clearly not like, it, I don't think it was sold as like a summer blockbuster, you know, uh, by any means, and I'm sure American audiences probably only have a certain, you know, the mainstream American audiences only have a certain idea of like what Polanski films are. Yeah, there was so a, there was there was like no marketing in the states because yeah, in the that, states it was like, hey, remember that that rapist Ugh, he made a movie maybe, but I, I maybe go watch it the audience was like i think i think that's who the audience was he's, he's a name director and it's a name uh star and like but he hadn't he hadn't really been a name since the 80s that's i don't think that's true i i, I agree that like he you know he's, he's a fading star and whatever but like he's still roman polanski he's still like art houses will still show his movies in, in 1999, 2000, 2001. Um, I, I don't know what the, what the, like, I don't know where the money comes from for Woody Allen to keep making his movies. <laughs> but like, I think that like, maybe those That's the connection! Roman Polanski. That's the connection! <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, and I mean, to that point, uh, who knows what the next, like, is, is does Woody Allen, is, can he even get something into a mainstream like theater complex these days or is it is all of his stuff just sort of relegated to the sideline like like i, I feel like i that's where i feel like i don't know yeah roman lines could make something but it would never still have day in the states but like like uh, i i don't know I, I could see an avenue where if this if this story was remade by somebody else in a different way it might still have legs yeah i think there's legs there but i don't this so one's polanski's Polanski's latest movie, I guess, is um, going to Wikipedia here, is a 2019 historical drama based on a novel about the Dreyfus Affair. So, like, somebody is still giving him money to adapt books. Right. Probably the French. Always the goddamn French. (laughs) I I didn't actually mean that as a diss, but yeah. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I we, we started to kind of get into this earlier, but uh, uh, Dan, we'll start with you, and and uh, I, I can only speak in in modern terms, but uh, we must answer the uh, essential question of the podcast, which is: Do you still like this movie? I still like this movie. Boo this Boo man! Me. Boo this man! Boo me! <laughs> Boo me! You cowards! <laughs> Boo me! Yeah, no, it's a bad movie, and I love it. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Johnny Depp has sex with the devil, and like nobody has a good time. No, yeah, that about yeah. that about sums it up, right? <laughs> like, no, nobody had a good time in this movie. Like, I guess Frank Langella kind of had a good time. He had one he, great moment. Yeah, when he was setting himself on fire, he was he was pretty into it. Oh, right for a minute <laughs> the mumbo jumbo part is yeah. it, it that that stuck with me just like imagine giving those lines to frank Langella and being like can you make this work <laughs> like, like like one it's very funny uh but two it also makes absolutely no sense because he's like the truest believer and he, so he's like oh ha ha you fucking idiots who think that this is real but he's like the guy who thinks it's all real like he's the most like true believer in all of it it's there isn't a single second of this movie that makes sense 
my read on that was that he was the one who the only one who knew how to make it not mumbo jumbo that they were going through all these but he except, literally except is the guy who walks up and says it's mumbo jumbo well and, and yeah. he's also wrong right <laughs> like, he's, he's completely wrong right yeah no that's again like he's he's wrong enough to hire johnny depp johnny depp is the best man for the job the only guy who, who can get this job done for him or whatever They're this well, and he's wrong enough to, to be... light himself on fire and literally <laughs> yes. die. Like... Yes. This needs to be remade as a Scooby-Doo mystery. Oh, I'd watch this Scooby-Doo mystery. That'd be great. Uh, there we go. Are we, are we anima- animating this, or is this? Yes, it's an animated <laughs> Scooby-Doo mystery. I, I, I think I'd live action, that. live action Scrappy-Doo. I'm that, or I'm out of the project. I will shoot Scrappy-Doo in the head. Wait, so who? <laughs> which character is banging the devil? Uh, uh, Shaggy. What? Mm. <laughs> His name is Shaggy. Of course, he's screwing the devil. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, if there's the 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 sort of haphazardly, accidentally successful detective of the group, it's it's Scooby. You, wait, you want? Yeah, Scoob Scooby often Scooby often discovers the uh, the the trap door, which is the inverse of what happens to Johnny Depp's character. Clever <laughs> 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 hiding space. Uh, all right, row. Let's uh, let's yes, very wrap this fucker. Um, so on that note, make sure you are following us on Twitter uh, at like this movie and on Instagram at the same handle at like this movie. You can take part in any of the conversations about these movies as we watch them using the hashtag ITILTM. That's hashtag ITILTM. Uh, Daniel, uh, anything going on uh, in, in your world that you would like to plug? Uh, nothing to plug right now. I'm at fake Dan Weber on Twitter. Thanks He's for having at, me on. He is at fake Dan Weber. He's also my writing partner uh, in a, a television pilot about minor league baseball that if you are a TV executive, for some reason stumbling upon the end of this podcast, you should buy. Um, yeah that's about it uh, Will you got anything else uh, fuck you Dan <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright well see you next week I think I like this movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka Editing by Will Vitka. Copyright 2021.